for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. I'm your host, Dion Miller. Um, today, um, I have a friend on, it's Sarah. Um, and Sarah and I have been talking uh, for like the last year. I really started following Sarah because um, she does a lot of softball stuff. So she's, a, she's very, um, let, let me kind of re- redo that. She does a lot of recovery stuff in community areas. And that's what I really liked. Okay. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking your time on this Friday morning um, and coming on and, and, and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Absolutely. So um, why don't we go ahead and why don't we go ahead and get into it? Um, so did you grow up here in Colorado or or where did you grow up at? I did actually. Um I'm, I'm born in Kansas. I was born in Salina, Kansas, but my parents moved here when I was two years old. And I've, I grew up mostly in Thornton, moved to Bennett. And then I've been in Aurora since I was like 16. So this is where I've been. Wow. Okay. So I went to school here and yeah, went to school at Skyview high school in Thornton. It's not even there anymore. They tore it down. Yeah, they did. They tore it down. Uh It's really weird. It's been there. It was there forever. Yeah. I'm dating myself there. So so what was family life like for you? You know, my family was what you would call normal, I guess, okay. you know, whatever normal is. Um, mom and dad are still married to this day. So 41 cool. years. Right um, I have a little brother. He's uh, one year, 11 months and two weeks younger than me. Um, okay. And we had, you know, cat, dog, all that stuff. So it was, White it was super normal. Yeah, wow. pretty much. Uh, we were super poor, but we were the richest ones in our neighborhood. So we had like the trampoline and the yeah. uh, swing set and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, we had a so pretty- the, Your your family. house was the house where all the kids came over to then. Yeah. And my dad okay. was our coaches. So yeah, everybody was and always was a, at our house. And it was a safe place for everybody. And yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what my everybody mom started to do home. after she sobered up and she kind of became the safe house and stuff. So that's, that's really cool. And, and something I don't usually- here on yeah. the show honestly yeah. i don't so we're trying yeah. to get to your drinking career and i've struck out twice um <laughs> yep i know everybody does it's a weird situation <laughs> hey it we're, we're just following the normal stuff but it's how we find out who you are and and kind of what happened you know because mm-hmm. obviously that we're going to find out that something happened here yeah so i'm going to kind of let you continue on and be quiet for a little bit okay So yeah, growing up, I had the most normal childhood ever. Um, I was an athlete, played all kinds of sports. I was really good in school, straight A's. Um, And then high school hit. And uh, I actually had body dysmorphia when I was a child. Um, What is that? It's basically when you're not comfortable in your own skin. Oh, so um, yeah. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) You're using Uh, big words on me, Sarah. Okay. (laughs) So I, um, I've always been kind of a bigger girl athlete built, but you know, in high school, girls don't want to be big. They want to be the skinny girl, you know, that all the boys like blah, 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 blah. 
So I started doing all the stuff that all the bad kids were doing, ditching school, um, smoking weed, drinking, but it wasn't a problem then. My problem actually was diet pills. Ah. And back in those days, they were Mm. ephedrine. They were basically sweet. Yeah, Yeah. I I remember that Um, when those came out. Yeah, when the ephedrine came out, uh, my mm-hmm. wife at the time got them. She's like, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I threw them away. I'm like, mm-hmm. don't you ever take those again. It is not worth anything except no. a heart attack. Yeah. And that's, I mean, <clears throat> it was working, right? Like I was oh, losing yeah. weight, but it was because I wasn't eating. I yeah. also wasn't sleeping. Um, I thought it was the greatest thing ever because I was able to go to school, do homework, go to training, go to practice, go to work. And all with no sleep. Um, wow. It was it was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finally figured out that it wasn't good when somebody actually found me passed out in the bathroom at school. Yeah. Um, it was a friend and she was like, you got to stop doing this. And I did. I did. Okay. Um, so for the next couple of years, I went back to being okay. Right. Um, but my senior year of high school, my high school was like, you have to come back for a fourth of a credit. Ooh. be able to graduate. I okay. said, I'm not going to be a second year senior. You yeah. can't make me. Yeah. So I made a deal with my dad and I said, I'm going to quit school, get my GED and go get a job. And my dad was like, all right, go. Okay. Um, so I did, but at 19 years old, I met what I thought was the love of my life. <laughs> okay. And, uh, he introduced me to meth. Ah, okay. Yeah. And it's just like the speed pills I was taking. Right. Oh, so yeah. I already yeah. knew the effects and mm-hmm. I liked it. So that actually sent me in a tailspin. Um, I became the party queen. Uh-huh. I partied like a rock star. I mean, you name it, I did it. I had no problem doing it. Okay. Um, I ended up having a child with this guy. Okay. Um, got sober for the whole year I was pregnant or nine months, whatever it is. Right on, good. Yeah. So um, he's now 21 and has a kid of his own. Um but he, that just dated myself. Um, <laughs> I have five grandchildren. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Grandbabies are my favorite. Oh, uh, yes. They are. Yeah. Let's not go there. We'll take up the whole hour. Okay. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I started partying like a rock star. Um, anything I could do, you know, it didn't matter the drug. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter what it was going to do to me. I'd take it. Okay. And I was miserable, but. I was happy at the same time because people were paying attention to me. Yeah. And people loved me. Yeah. You know, and that, and I that knew was where the, the party thing. was. Yeah. Yeah. I knew where the party was. I knew how to get whatever you wanted. Like I was the queen of that. And um, so that went on till about 2006. And in 2006, my world changed a little bit. The fact that my parents bought a bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. And made me the manager of it. Um, <laughs> not a good well well, but they probably thought that was the right choice though i mean did they know what was going on they did a little bit um because part of my story is that my brother my little brother i ended up getting him into drugs too okay and he went to prison for manufacturing methamphetamines wow okay so my parents kind of figured out what we were doing when that yes they did well your parents aren't i mean they're smart people obviously Yes. They're not gullible. They don't sound very gullible to me. No, not at all. And so they bought the bar to keep track of me is, is what they really did. 
as as a dad i understand that yeah right <laughs> Worst, that i wouldn't do I it i wouldn't do it now now that i know what i know but right but yeah. I, that's something i would do i get it yeah yeah and they, he was really smart about it right my dad was really smart so he got me an apartment like six blocks from the bar okay got me a cell phone you know was taking care of me just so that i would straighten up my life sure. and it didn't work um i ended up turning to alcohol Okay. And I always say that I am an alcoholic because that's what really, really took me down. Okay. Um, I started drinking very heavily, uh, all day long, every single day, never stopped. Yeah. Um, the drugs were still there, just not as prominent. Yeah. And, um, I ended up getting pregnant again in 2007. Okay. My best friend actually died of an opiate overdose mm -hmm. when I was pregnant. Wow. She was my world. She was my sister. Her name was Val. We okay. did everything together. We were inseparable. And that, yeah. that made things worse instead of mm -hmm. better. So I had my kid, my youngest, um, who's now like a really good skateboarder. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we kind of, I kept going. Um, it didn't stop. My parents ended up selling the bar. Um, okay. And it didn't stop. I kept drinking, kept drinking, kept drinking, whatever. Mm -hmm. In 2015, everything finally came to a crashing end. Um, I lost my job Okay. at a restaurant that I loved because I was drinking on the job and yelled at my boss. Okay. Not a good thing. You don't yeah. yell at your boss. No, especially while um, drunk. <laughs> yeah, especially while drunk at 10 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Um, somewhere. It was. <laughs> For me, 5 a.m. was noon somewhere. It didn't I, matter. Yeah, uh, I'm awake. That's the only yeah. requirement. That was my only requirement. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I was awake. awake. And whenever that store opened, right? Because I could mm -hmm. never save enough alcohol to last the next day. Me either. Nope. I was always dry in the morning. Yeah. Drove you me could, crazy. I could literally tell you every spot in Denver that had a liquor store that was open by 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was... It was bad. And, and I would I, drive. I would move because I've never, you know, I, I've never had my driver's license vehicle because mm -hmm. of uh, child support. So I haven't had my uh, driver's license most of my adult life. So when I would move, I would check to see what time the liquor stores opened up. And if it was too late, I wouldn't move to that area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a better plan than I uh, had. <laughs> well, when you do, when you're restricted to the bus, you uh, get a little fancier with your <laughs> right and that the funny thing is is i should have been restricted to a bus at that point i didn't have a driver's license i was driving around illegally for two years um my tags were expired i drove around with two-year expired tags oh wow if that yeah. doesn't say pull me over i don't know what does yeah see i got caught twice driving without a license so now I, after that i'm like nope because i know what happens in colorado on strike three um yeah. you're they're gonna put me in they'll put me in jail yeah. Strike three. Now, no. Of course, I have yeah. my license now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I'm driving. I always tell my friends I'm not driving dirty anymore. Yeah. Um, no. Uh. Uh. No. I got insurance. I got registration yeah, and about a driver's license. And it feels nice. It's like it driving along, see a cop, you're like, "Sup, dude." Yeah. I no longer have to be like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> I still have a little panic moment when I see him in the rear view. I, but it's like, I, that, I'm clean. I'm good. Well, yeah, but then we get that reminder. It happens for about two seconds. Oh, shit. Oh, wait a minute. I'm yeah. not doing anything wrong. 
that paranoia almost never goes away. I don't, but I, yeah. But I think that's good. I think it's good for yes. me because my forgetter works great. Yeah. So fear is sometimes a good thing for us. Just a yeah. little bit of fear takes us far. Yeah. So. Especially especially when our intentions are in line with God's, then it yes. then it really, really works. Right. So yeah. So so your friend had passed away. Things got things got a lot worse for you. Things got you bad. Know. I lost my job, lost my home. Um, my dad came and took my Jeep back. It was in Ooh. his name, and he was yeah. like, Now nope, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids, um, my parents came and took my oldest one away. And my little one went to live with his dad. And uh, he was actually his psychological dad. I know that sounds really weird, but he was, he's like a stepdad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they went away and I had just hit rock bottom. There was nowhere else to go. I had lost everything. I was living in the streets of North Glen uh, behind Waterworld. So I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So. And which is weird because we play sober softball there now. And well, I guess I played there for years, but I lived right behind those fields. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was just the norm for me at that time. And yeah. um, so I hit rock bottom and I couldn't take it anymore. And instead of slowly killing myself, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it faster. Yeah. So I actually attempted suicide twice in 48 hours. Wow. Um, it was a week before my birthday. Okay. Um, I had sent a goodbye text message to everybody I knew. Um, Again, my dad had given me my phone. So there was a GPS on it that I didn't know about. (laughs) So good for him. Um, (laughs) They actually, the police came and found me and took me to the hospital. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes our, our medical system is broken and they let me go. Yeah. Um, And so then I decided to proceed to get completely obliterated and try to, kill myself with a self-inflicted stab wound. Oh, God. So I ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, in a coma, a three-day medical coma, um, because they were worried my body was going to go into shock. I had yeah. a self-inflicted stab wound. I had uh, 0.5 something, something alcohol level and um, some Vicodin in my system. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I was going for the gusto. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. I uh, I moved out to California at one point because I was tired of hurting everybody in my life. I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in AA before I started my drinking career, so I knew this before I started drinking. Right. And it was horrible. Um, yeah. But that was the plan. I'm like, I was tired of hurting everyone else. Screw me. I obviously didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. I knew that. And my plan was to go out to California and drink myself to death. Um yeah. There again, tell God your plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had yeah. much different plans for me. Yeah. Um, so they put you. Now, did were you in a coma or did they put you in a coma for seven days? They, they put me in a medically induced coma. Okay. Um, All right. To make sure that my body didn't go into shock, so that I died uh, or yeah. didn't die, I guess. So I woke up from the three day coma, not knowing where I was, not knowing what happened. Um, and doctor who's seen me for years, right? Cause I'm okay. in and out of ERs trying to get pain meds and uh, yeah. detoxing and you know, they know you, they know yeah. you, you get blacklisted. Yeah. They know exactly who you are. Yep. I, w- I ended up on the blacklist. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm still on them and I'm like, I've been sober for five years. Um, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they don't. So, no. Mm-mm. So I ended up in the hospital, woke up, doctor came to see me and he's like, man, you must've really messed up because not a soul came to see you this time. 
Ouch. Yeah, that was crushing. Like that was the most painful thing I think anybody's ever said to me. And I've yeah. said some pretty hurtful things. I kind of but feel like you needed was, to hear it. it. I did. It was my wake up call. That is, that yeah. was my saving grace. I um, checked myself into a psych ward. Yes. Um, which I had been in for several times, you know, they also knew me very well. Um, and got out. My mom was like, you can come stay with me for a couple of days until your dad gets home. Cause he doesn't want to see you right now. And I was like, I don't blame him. Okay. Um, she paid for my hotel. She paid for me to get a hotel for a week for my birthday. Okay. Which was nice. Except for the same day on my birthday, I got a call from social services saying they were taking my youngest son. And I, at that point was crushed. And so I drank again. Yeah. And I drank myself into a blackout. Um, I, I still don't know to this day what I did that night, but no. a friend of mine told me it wasn't great. Um, so I, the next morning after my blackout, I woke up and I immediately started calling places. I got myself into an IOP. Wow. Um, I got myself on the list for the Vivitrol shot. Um, I was looking for AA groups. Okay. Uh, I actually tried to get into inpatient, but I couldn't qualify at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's harder than people think. Um, um, getting into inpatient on your own is near to impossible, especially now. And yeah. if you, and if you have Medicaid, just forget it, go to IOP. So, right. Yeah. So that's what I did. Place and, that takes it right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so I started doing all of that. Um, I was still drinking, um, but on September 8th of 2015, I got the Vivitrol shot. Okay. But my sobriety date isn't until September 9th. Okay. Will you explain what Vivitrol is? I, I kind of know in case some people don't quite understand what you were trying to accomplish. So yeah, they have so the knowledge. Vivitrol is either in a shot or a pill form. Um, I did the shot because it lasts 30 days and you can't take it out of your system. And mm -hmm. me being me, I won't take the pill because I want to drink. <laughs> Ah, um, triggered. Yeah. Smart. Uh, but basically what it is, is it's a blocker. So it blocks the receptors in your brain, mm -hmm. um, to keep you from either a getting high off of opiates or B feeling the effects of being drunk. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's, it's a helper. And for me, it actually helped with cravings too. Did it? Cool. It did. And yeah. you know, some people are like, well, that's just a bandaid. It's a, you know what? If it helps a person get through the first two, three days, yep. give it to them. Give it yeah. to them. Yeah. Um, you know, we're also human beings too, guys. We don't, <laughs> just because we're used to drama and being hurt doesn't mean we like it. Yeah. Right? Doesn't mean that we enjoy it or that we want to be treated that way. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. just like, you know, you and I, I know you and I have the same belief that even when it comes to, working with clients or, or people in recovery, we put a house over their head. We put a roof over their mm -hmm. head before we start even working on the recovery. Yeah. Housing. Exactly. I'm a housing first guy. Yeah. Um, I truly believe in giving every chance that you can to somebody to help them succeed. Why not? Why yeah. would we not do that? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted people to know what Vivitrol does because it is, it is very good. It is not an abuse, guys. No. Don't compare it to an abuse. No. Okay. And no. And the funny thing is, is, I I thought it was like an abuse, right? Like, yeah. So the day I took it, I actually drank on it. 
So I went and got my normal amount of alcohol and I drank on it because I wanted to test this theory. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't trust anything at this point in my life. Yeah, so I'm going to test it. Yeah. yeah. So I drank a lot um, and I didn't feel the effects of being drunk. Nope. I was so upset. And the only thing that happened was I had the worst hangover I've ever yep. felt in my entire life. Yep. So, and but, so you got nothing out of it. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So I. And nothing I, you, you know, could do about it for 30 days either. So you got to. Wow. What a precarious position. Yeah. And I tested it all the time. I right? know like, you did. <laughs> I don't believe anything. So like I would walk into liquor stores to buy a pack of cigarettes when there's a gas station next door. Right? Yeah. And they're cheaper. Yeah. Just to, <laughs> just to test my theory of, is this really working? Um, and it did. I woke yeah. up September 9th feeling good. You know, um, I, for the first time in a long time, I didn't have the shakes. Um, yeah. I felt kind of normal. I had slept the hangover off for like 14 hours, I think. Wow. Um, thankfully, a friend let me stay with him while I did this so that I was okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that first 30 days was amazing. Like I started to feel normal again. I was able to mm -hmm. function. Um, I didn't have the cravings. I had probably the worst side effect for me was I had lucid dreams. Yeah. yeah. They were crazy. Oh, uh -huh. man. I never got a good night's sleep in that first 30 days, but <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. We, the sleep portion is, I think every alcoholic goes through that. We have sleeping mm -hmm. problems when we quit. Um, and our dreams do become a little bit more lucid, but on the Vivitrol, I, it's even, it's kind of even more. Mm -hmm. So um, take it with a grain of salt. Right. <laughs> Don't believe yeah. your dreams right now while you're on Vivitrol. Cause it's not, if yeah. nothing's yeah even your They're subconscious not. isn't even trying to work right now so don't even yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so i uh i kept going to iop um followed a boy into aa um i'm still boy crazy to this day i don't, I don't think that'll ever change but <laughs> doesn't um but yeah i was in an iop group and this this really cute boy was telling me about aa and so i followed him okay um to this clubhouse that he said, well, the funny thing about that is I showed up at a women's meeting <laughs> and I was standing in the parking lot at fourth dimension up in Northland. Uh, and yep. I love that clubhouse. Yeah. Um, it's a good club. Yeah. So I'm standing in the parking lot watching it and I don't want to go in. Right. Cause I figured out it's all women and this very large woman and I'm talking tall. Okay. okay. She was, she, she towered over me. And she comes walking up and she grabs me by the arm and she's like, oh, you're here for the meeting. And I was like, no, I'm here to pick up a cake because there's cake by Karen's next door. <laughs> and she was like, honey, they've been closed for three hours. Let's go. <laughs> I, I love being called on my shit. It's so funny. And so she took me in there and I ended up staying for three meetings that day. Wow. And, um, I loved it. Something happened. Something, right? I needed to be there. You know, God was telling me that I needed to be there and I was there and it worked. And so, you know, I kept on this journey. I kept going to IOP. I kept going to AA. I'm still homeless at this point. So being homeless on Vivitrol was difficult. Yeah. Because the people that I was surrounded by, you know, the people that protected me when I was homeless were all drinking and drugs. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's it's a community. And we do. Yeah. We have each other's backs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People don't really understand people. the homeless 
They don't understand though. I mm-hmm. think it's hard to understand it unless you've been there. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to feel the feelings too. Yes. It's its own culture and they're, they're a tight knit group and they, mm-hmm. they really take care of each other. And I don't yeah. think I would have made it through without them. No, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have either. Yeah. Um, no, if I, if street mom wouldn't have been around, I don't know that I would have made it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have known where to go to eat, where to sleep, mm-hmm. um, where not to go. Right. You know, That's the biggest. And what, and what not to do. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, that's i call it survival mode mm-hmm. you know that's where i learned learned all my survival skills at in jail yeah. um you know and those are things that, w- that we go through yeah. so you hit a lot of meetings i'm presuming at this point we stayed sober okay so oh yeah yep wow. i'm rocking and rolling um at 28 days sober a girl in my iop was like girl you need a place to live so she gave yeah. me a card for a sober living um, I went and checked it out for those of you who know Peasley. Mm-hmm. One Yay, of my Peasley. <laughs> We're plugging Peasley today. Oh yeah. We Peasley's love Peasley. my heart. Oh, I, I love, love that guy. Yes. I, and I, I'm a little jealous of all that energy that guy has. Wow. He's too wow. much. He's, a, he's one of those guys where I just stay out of his way and Tommy's doing great every now and again. So yeah, Peasley, yeah. that one's for you, bruh. Yeah, he's uh, a big part of my sobriety. Is he? Um, he was my yeah. trainer. So yeah, he's great. Yeah, he, he was um, a fantastic trainer. I went and toured his sober living um, okay. that he was working at at the time, and uh, his version of this story is that I walked up to the house <laughs> with unbrushed hair, no makeup, holy clothes, one shoe, and no socks. One shoe. <laughs> That's not, that's not what I remember, but he says he was more sober than me. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Robert's a pretty big kidder too. Yes. Yes, he is. (laughs) So him and I had an instant connection. We Uh instantly became friends. There was no, no doubt about it. We're like eight years apart in age and we're still like, we're just so good together. We're good friends. That's awesome. And so I moved in. Um, to the sober living it's no longer around but um, Mm -hmm. it's uh, it was great I was there for nine months I was a house manager Um, that really kicked off my sobriety I loved being a house manager I love they all called me mom um, Mm -hmm. which is still around people still call me mom but I was teaching girls how to do laundry how to use a vacuum Mm -hmm. how to use a toaster yeah how to boil water yeah basics Mm -hmm. in life that Mm -hmm. people don't really you know, people take for granted that you know yeah. how to do this stuff. Not everybody does. Yep. Um, and that can, dad, feel, that can feel really lowly when you're, you know, 30 years old and you don't know how to vacuum a floor. Yeah. That can make you feel very, very low. Yes, it can. So we have to go about that a certain way. Yeah. yeah. That's really important. That's what those sober livings are all about. Hey, you're not the only one. There's three other guys going through it right now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a vacuuming class. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. And I taught them all how to cook. Yeah. Um, it was, it was fun. I loved it. We used to have parties all the time and man, nobody parties like sober people party. Yep. It is insane. They just go off the rails. We got the cops called on us for a birthday party we were having and cop comes up to the house and he's like, uh, you, we got a noise complaint. Is anybody drinking? And I'm like, not in this house. Mm-hmm. 
we're just having a lot of fun. No. They're like, well, can you keep the fun indoors? <laughs> <laughs> so that was always a good time. And hey, you know what? I think that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I we, do. we did great. Um, and then when I was eight months sober, um, I found out I had cervical cancer. Okay. So that was tough. Yeah. And um, I always like to bring this up because it's part of recovery a lot of people don't talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up having to have a major surgery. Um, I had a hysterectomy. And okay. for those that don't know what that is, is basically they take your lady parts away from you. Yep. Um, and I had to go on opiates. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. didn't have a choice. I was having a major surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't be in sober living anymore. So for the safety of oh, everybody. Yeah, because of the, yeah, that makes sense. It yeah. does. But those are critical decisions that we make. It wasn't a matter of we can't support you. It's right. like we can't condone that. Yeah. The right. safety of the clients. Yeah. Yeah. And I understood. I completely understood. Sure. Right. I don't want a newcomer coming in who's a week off of heroin knowing there's Percocets in the house. Yeah. Um, Just knowing they're in the house at all is triggers. Trigger. That's triggers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good on you. My mom. Good, good I, on you to be thinking of other people like that. Yeah. Well, I knew what it was like. Yeah. And so I moved in with my parents' house, had the surgery. My mom became, we called her the drug dealer for a little while. Um, I did the responsible thing, right? I gave my pills to my mom and said, yeah. I only get them as prescribed. I don't care how much pain I'm in. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how much I beg. You do not give me any more. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, I only took them for about three days. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I was up and walking before before I knew it and I was yeah. fine and I switched to ibuprofen and Tylenol and kept yeah. going about my business. Like it was mm-hmm. nothing happened. Yeah. Um, I was afraid to go to meetings at that point because I mean, that in sucks. reality, it doesn't matter sucks. if you're taking them as prescribed, but you still get high. Right. Um, yeah. especially when you haven't had anything in your system for eight, eight months, um, nah. it, it affected me. And so sure. I chose to not go to meetings, but had to keep working on my recovery. So I listened to every book on tape about recovery or, you know, they have recorded meetings, uh, recorded speaker meetings um, that you can listen to. And I listened to all of them. (laughs) I don't think there's one out there that I haven't heard. (laughs) I listened to all of them and it was, you know, you can really do recovery anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Um, even today at work, you know, and when I'm at work, I still listen to podcasts, recovery podcasts while I'm working, um, because I may not be able to make it to a meeting on a Tuesday night, but I can listen to a podcast Mm -hmm. and they work just as well. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like going to your own personal speaker meeting is what it's like. That's why I, that's why I really enjoy these because not everybody can get to meetings when they want to. I can't. Right. My car is usually gone. And I'm yeah. done riding the bus. That ain't happening no more. <laughs> right? I'm the yeah. same way. Screw RTD. I already yeah. paid that. I already paid off five people's pensions. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. so yeah, I mean, I, I love podcasts. My favorite thing about it too is that I'm that person that laughs at the inappropriate time when nobody yeah. else does. <laughs> so if I'm listening to it by myself, I can laugh whenever I want without feeling embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Just having so, fun. What's it like for you now? What kind of work are you doing? 
So amazingly enough, and this goes back to Peasley, Peasley actually got me into the recovery work. Um, okay. I started as a behavioral health tech at Raleigh House of Hope. Okay. Um, and moved up to BHT manager. Um, I left there, went and started or helped start another treatment center called okay. Continuum. Yep. I left there and I started working inside Arapahoe County Detention Facility as a peer recovery coach. Okay. Um, I got into peer recovery at Continuum. One of the, the bosses kind of made me take the class. I didn't even want to. I wanted to be a cat. Okay. Um, they made me take that class and becoming a peer recovery coach has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I started working inside the jail in a competency restoration program. Loved that. Realized that you can work as a recovery coach in any aspect of recovery. Yep. <laughs> and I decided the criminal justice system was my gig. Oh, wow. And we, we need that. Good on yes. you. Yeah, it's, it's in high demand. Um, so in November, I actually left there and I started working as a forensic peer navigator. Fancy wow. title. Forensic. And, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Forensic is just a fancy word for uh, criminal yeah. justice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, for the Denver County Courts. Ah. Um, <clears throat> so now we have this program. There's four of us. And anytime you go into the Denver court system and you have any form of substance use or mental health, or even just being in the criminal justice system, they will, you know, say, Hey, do you want to work with a peer? And we kind of do a little bit of everything. So we take mm -hmm. people to meetings. We uh, help them with housing. We help yeah. them with food. Um, we will physically go to the food banks, pick up the food and bring it to you. Certainly. Yeah. Um, we've, I do a lot of online meetings with my people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy. I'm actually helping one start a podcast. Oh yeah. Awesome. I know nothing about podcasts, but he wanted to do it. And I was like, let's do it. Send it, send him my way. I will do everything I can to help him. I will. Oh uh, yeah. I'm helping a couple people start podcasting right now. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, Yeah. but yeah, I can certainly make it simple for him. Give him my, give him my number. Tell him I'll help him out. I will definitely thank you for that because he's amazing. He's got this deep voice and he sounds so smooth. <laughs> it's yeah. really cool. That is actually what it's kind of about. You gotta, you, yeah. I call I call it a radio face, but it's actually a radio voice because yeah. I'm actually not that ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, my, my wife agrees too, so that's yeah, all that that's, matters. That's that's the one that matters. Yeah. Well, and you know, and we were kind of talking, we were kind of talking about that before we got started too, where, you know, that's what we do is we help each other out. Mm -hmm. um, there is no, we don't, well, I don't have any competition. No. There, there is, a, I mean, and heck, he could even be coming on and doing the same exact thing that I'm doing. Doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> As we're, it we're just needs needed. to, that, and everybody has their place. Mm -hmm. um, who am I to deny somebody else a chance at, at being happy in recovery? Right. No way. I'm going to help that person. Right. Because the more they succeed, the better, the more I'm going to succeed. Yeah. And, and there's so many different ways to get sober now in this yeah. community that, you know, you may know something that I don't. And so I'm going to call you and be like, Hey, I have no idea what this is. Like, I don't know how to podcast. Can you help me out? Or, no. you know, I have a friend that I, I love team sports and, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I 
don't understand the whole weightlifting gym thing to save my life. I avoid the gym like the plague because okay. I'm not an individual sports kind of person. Like I just can't do it. But mm-hmm. I know if that's somebody's gig, I'm going to send them to the Phoenix. Yeah. Right? And that's, you know, people always say, oh, well, TSRA and the Phoenix compete. No, we don't. We're just new, different ways to get sober. And, you know, I don't. Well, and now there's a new one out too that uh, Tomas. Yeah. And, and uh, Michael and uh, Ryan mm-hmm. are starting Paradigm One next to yeah. uh, Southeast Aurora Club over there. Yeah. And I, I actually, guarantee, um, and I guarantee you, they don't think that they're competition either. I doubt yeah. very much the Phoenix and Paradigm because they all know each other, right? You know, and they probably helped them out. Yeah, yeah, and actually, <laughs> Paradigm One. Um, uh, I've been working with Gino about volunteering over there as a peer coach. Okay. Um, it's a conflict of interest with my job right now, so I'm volunteering instead. Yeah, but, and, and there's um, nothing wrong with that. No. And so, you know, I mean, there's so many different communities, like, you know, people say that there's only one way to get sober and it's AA or, or uh, CA or NA. No, no. Um, I love all recovery. Um, okay. I like well-briety. I just recently been going to those meetings and those are so cool. Um, <laughs> there's so many different avenues to get sober and yeah. stay sober now. And people need to know that um, yeah. I'm still, you know, I still go to AA. It, yep. it's it's one aspect of my recovery there that, are and so that's many it others. and that's yeah. it you know um i love aa i do mm-hmm. it's it but it's not the only thing i utilize that's mm-hmm. silly that is silly in fact it says in the big book <laughs> go out and yes. find more it yes. says get off your your ass get to the hospitals get to the Go out, start shaking some hands. Go help mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. Get the fuck yeah. out of your mind, out of yourself, and go help somebody. Exactly. Because we are capable of doing that. And what's so cool is we learn a, a way of life that works for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Right. right. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I do, you know, I've been doing CODA recently. Good. And... I've never thought I was a codependent of anything. And man, was I so wrong. <laughs> so I wrong. I'm a coda. I'm, yeah. I'm a great coda. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? I'm an excellent, I'm an excellent coda. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, you know, I, I do so many things. And one of my biggest things right now is a uh, 12 step rec association. Okay. And what 12 step rec association is, is obviously you have to be in the 12 steps. Yeah. Um, or some form of 12 steps, right? Sure. And, and it's, wow. it's a rec association. So we have everything that you can think of. So me, I am softball, right? I love mm-hmm. softball. I've been playing it since I was five. Like, this is my jam. This is what I do. I'm not very good, but I don't care. <laughs> um, so we have co-ed softball. We just started women's softball mm-hmm. this year. Um, we have soccer. We have volleyball we mm-hmm. have we're starting basketball uh we're starting flag football um we do bowling sometimes or i guess they're starting a bowling league someone yeah. decided to do that yeah we had a bowling league actually for like five years yeah uh-huh. and we're we're starting to do we started doing meetings um before covid hit um mm-hmm. we'll plan on getting back to that we do bubble soccer um so 
I mean, there's so many things and we are so open, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you have a team sport that you want to start a sober league, like contact someone with TSRA, we'll start it. And 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 that's it, you know, because that's your area. Whereas, you know, if a guy has a podcast, we'd send him over there, you know, if it's a rec thing. And that's, that's what I'm really starting to love about our Colorado recovery community is now it you know because it's been a few years now all this has been going on mm-hmm. and now we're getting past the personality crap yes that happened thank you god yeah i know i was involved in all that i just you know it was a hard situation man and we're not mm-hmm. even all the way through it but we're, we're getting there the main yeah. thing was this you're not gonna break us mm-hmm. you're not we have no. a very strong community here in colorado um and back in the 90s it used to be AA clubs. We had dances once a month. We had, mm-hmm. so I'm really glad to see that our community is coming back with activities because that's what the fellowship is all about. Right. Is those act doing activities outside of the rooms. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, these aren't just my friends in the rooms. These are my friends outside of the rooms now, too. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, and even, and the way that it works is even if I don't like somebody and I hear you talking bad, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get mad at you or anything, but gosh, what's going on, man? Mm-hmm. That you're taking somebody else's inventory. Why, why are we doing that? What can I do to help you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's tough sometimes, but you know, we all are a community and uh-huh. that's the biggest thing about it. We have to stick together because people, you know, are normies don't understand what we go through on a daily basis yeah. and we need each other to be there mm-hmm. to get through these tough times. I, you know, my mom just ended up in the hospital last weekend and thankfully she's okay, but Good. I had to skip town and go to Arizona mm-hmm. and on a whim and thankfully sobriety allowed me to do that. Right. Cause I had yeah. the funds to be able to do that. But at the same token, people here in Colorado were making sure that everything was okay. Yeah. You know, they were reaching out to me individually. They were, you know, making sure everything was taken care of. People were asking me, Hey, do you need me to send food to your kids? Like, yeah. what do you need from us? And like, I wouldn't have been able to make it through this without them. Yeah. And, and that's, what's, what, what's nice is, is be able to, it's nice. See, we're free. Mm-hmm. And because of that attitude that we have, that we're going to stick together as a community, no matter what, that means that I can walk away from something and it'll still be taken care of because of the people that have my back. Right. And I'm going to tell you, it is so much nicer mm-hmm. when people have your back. It is. I'm going to even go as far to say, yeah, I'm going to even go as far to say easier. Yeah. Well, and it's nice because it's not like the old days, right? When somebody did you a favor, you had to pay them back. Yeah. You know, now you just know that people are genuinely caring for you and genuinely want to help and they yeah. don't expect anything in return. Yeah, that's it. Which is the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Unconditional unconditional love, man. Yes. Yeah. And we all deserve it. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, I, I use the door theory when it comes to this. You know, you, you run up and open a door for somebody, they walk through and they don't say thank you and you get mad. Um, what was your expectation there? What were you trying to get? Right. Are you are you trying to get attention from a stranger to make yourself feel better? 
That's not going to work. No, you yeah. got to open that door with no expectations. Right. If they don't yeah. say thank you, who cares? Right. You still did your part. <laughs> right. Yeah. And sometimes just the littlest things, you do your part and it makes the world a better place. Yeah. And they're probably going to go on and, you know, maybe they didn't say thank you. They're going to get back in their car. They're going to be like, that was kind of rude. Yeah. Maybe I should be nicer to people the rest of the day. See, you had an effect anyway. Mm-hmm. You never know. <laughs> That's why yeah. you always have to do the next right thing. Right. You never know who's listening. I mean, I've said some weird things in AA meetings before, only to come back a year later and be like, I stuck around because you said that. And I'm like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, that didn't mean much to me at the time, but to them, it was everything. Exactly. You know, um, and the way I see it is good on them for having an open mind. Wow. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. Um, Sarah, as we wrap up with, is there anything that you'd like to let people know? Do we have to, do you want to do any plug-in? Do we need plug-in you know, I think the only plug I really got is, you know, TSRA. You know, okay. if you are looking for fellowship and fun, uh, <clears throat> hit us up. We're on Facebook, TSRA of Colorado. Okay. Um, check it out. Even if you just want to come out and see what we're all about, you don't have yeah. to play. You Even just come meet yeah. people in recovery. Hang out and tell other people how to play. Yeah. yeah. We love that. Yeah, we, Sarah, we love Sarah really plays. loves it when you go, hey, bada, bada, bada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ignore everybody anyway, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, you kind of, you could, actually, you did seem like a person that once you're up at bat, nobody else is around. No, uh, not at all. Not me. <laughs> Dion, you're ugly. <laughs> no, my I'm coach actually, like <laughs> my coach actually yells, don't suck when I go up to bat. It's reverse psychology for me yeah. because that actually makes me hit better. I'm not sure why, but okay. it works. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you being on today. This was a fun conversation. And what I, what I, what I love about bringing people on is we just never would know what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, um, and I like the fact that your story would, was different because I've met other people who grew up with quote unquote normie parents. A lot mm -hmm. of times their parents went through stuff and they didn't want their children to go through that. A lot of times is what happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to break a generational cycle and that's right. what's going on. Um, not passing our, you know, like my, you know, my kids may still become alcoholic because it's a disease, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they know they need to learn, um, anger and frustration and despair from me. Exactly. They don't need to know that from me. So, exactly. um, Today, we get to be the example for our kids and our grandkids who never saw me drunk. Uh. Yeah, best part. <laughs> so, and those are those are steps for us. That's mm -hmm. progress. That's why we claim spiritual progress. That's why we do it. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah, for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Uh, absolutely. So, you guys, if you're looking to have some fun, get out get some moving around, get in touch with Sarah. Thank you guys for being here. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're Colorado, just be careful this weekend. Don't do any unnecessary traveling. Um, and that's what we got today, guys. I love you. Peace out and have a day. <laughs>